1: Hi, I'm Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Said. Hello, hello, hello. This is Polly Campbell, and you're listening to Polly Campbell Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good and be happy so that we can do the work that matters and create the lives we want to live. You know, when I say this, I'm doing it with a smile on my face. I'm trying to convey that energy. When I text or when I write a note, I also put in those little emojis. Do you guys do that too? Or before emojis, you know, in the prehistoric ages, I would draw a little smiley face because I'm always interested in my communication and I'm afraid that my... My sarcasm or my humor or my words will come across differently in written format than what I intend in verbal format. And I think this is interesting time to talk about communication because number one, it's essential to everything we do. But number two, the way I'm communicating in the world has really changed in recent years. And and I imagine it has for all of us in one way or another. So today I'm talking to one of the experts of communication. I read this great article that he wrote on the greater good. And I'll give a link in the show notes so you can go check it out, too. But Dr. Julian Miraval.
0: I'm glad to meet your audience.
1: Well, thank you so much for being here. You are a specialist and expert in communication and a professor of applied communication at the University of Arkansas in Little Rock. You're among the founding scholars in the emerging field of positive communication. Uh, Dr. Miraval, what is positive communication? What do you mean by that?
0: So that's a, first, it's a great question. So positive communication from my perspective is any communication behavior that will inspire positive emotions like joy, like confidence, like well-being, but it also, you know, has an additional note. So I think of it as constructive communication, generative communication. So it's behaviors that we can produce, that we have control over, that are going to help us create good relationships with people and create a context that's effective in the workplace, in a place where people feel valued uh, and respected. And it's something that you can practice at any moment, any day with anyone. I like this notion of it because the times
1: I've written or studied about communication, it's been just that, communication. It's never had the intention, the research I've read and, and the stuff I've done to focus on uh, generating positive feelings. and and. That makes me feel good. I mean, I think that should be the point of what we're trying to do, right? We can convey our message while making people feel good too.
0: That's right. Yeah. I mean, we can use, you know, communication has many functions, but the idea here is also to say, we have some power and control over the way way we communicate. And we're faced with lots of choices every day, whether that's at home or at work with people we supervise, with people we lead, but also within our families, right? With our children. And in all of those spheres, we can make different choices. And so positive communication for me is also kind of a calling towards our better self and to use, I think, the beauty of communication to try to do good in the world around us.
1: Yeah, I I am, while you're talking, I'm flipping into my own forms of communication. How did (laughs) I talk to my daughter this morning? How did I talk to my coworkers? You know, like, what's going on here? Exactly. I think... That I need to be more deliberate when, you know, obviously when I'm doing a podcast or I'm I'm talking to a, a professional, I try to be deliberate in how I communicate. But when you talked about, you know, how we talk to our kids, how we talk to our friends, that's equally as valuable, I would imagine, both when we want to uplift people, but also get things done.
0: That's right. So, again, you know, depending on the context in which we're talking about. So at home, the goal is obviously different than you know, when you're in the workplace leading a team of 10 people or 120 people. But what I love about studying communication is that the heart of any of these contexts reside and lies your ability to engage with people and to connect with them. So for me, what I've tried to do in the the span of my career is identify what I see as core behaviors that you can become intentional about that are going to have some positive consequences for you in a, in a, in a, a wide variety of context Again, whether that's at home or at work.
1: Now, are those changing in recent years with the pandemic and, and the advent of technology with texting? Are you seeing communication changing?
0: I would say yes. The, the short answer is it is. And a, a global pandemic is going to affect people's relationships, people's workplaces. I do a lot of training and consulting and, and with organizations. And many people today face a huge challenge, which is They've been working remotely. Most people starting to feel pretty alone, pretty disconnected. And so I see a lot of organizations trying to bring people back and find ways of connecting people. And that's because if you don't have communication, you don't have relationships. So I do think the landscape has has changed. But the good news is for me, the key, so that was your second question, the key to communicating well has not. Because the medium really doesn't affect, from my perspective, what communication behaviors are at the heart of how to do it well. And so whether you're texting, whether you're engaging virtually like we are, whether you are um, you know, at home sitting around the dinner table or holding a meeting for your team, there are some core behaviors that will make a difference. And my job has been to try to identify what those are and then to educate people about how to communicate more effectively in their own lives.
1: Okay. I want to know them all. (laughs) I want to get better at this. You know, one thing I read in your work is one of the things you say is important is that we greet people. Now, I go yep. through this with my teen daughter, she'll get in the car, we'll go pick up her friends for the carpool on the way to school, and none of them say anything to each other. And yep. I require her to say, hello, or good morning. And I require her to say goodbye. I'm trying to, I told her we need to greet and goodbye people so that they feel connected. Am I off base here? Tell me what, tell me. No,
0: what. no, you're totally on. I mean, that's why we do. That's why we spend a lot of time with our children, teaching them exactly what you're describing, because we know instinctively. Uh, And from experience that greeting, saying hello, connecting with people is crucial in the world of relationships, in the world uh, of home, of our homes and in the world of our work. So you doing that is right in in line with what I'm calling people to do, because what's interesting about greetings is that they often disappear. So greetings are easy to do when relationships are going well, but very difficult to do once we start to have, say, a conflict or there's someone that we don't really like that we're working with, or, you know, we had a fight the night before and suddenly you have to talk to your spouse and who is going to make the first move. So in a wide variety of contexts, we have greetings become a point of contention, become a point of conflict. Or I'll give another example. If you're meeting people from abroad, from different cultures, who will initiate what greeting in what language can often become a point of tension. So in my work, I focus on greetings because I think as a communicator, you this can be an area of intentionality, right? You can use the power of communication to connect with people. You can invite dialogue. You can move in the direction of other people. You can recognize intercultural difference by learning to greet in multiple languages. And those skills will then build your repertoire for at least starting interaction and creating a bit of a butterfly effect.
1: I love, why do you think greetings could be a, a bone of contention? Is it, is it kind of a power struggle? Who's going to say hi first or good morning first or whatever? Is, do we make it that? Is it a vulnerability thing?
0: Yes. Yeah, so, well, I mean, in, in my experience, so we were working, one reason I mentioned this is because years ago, we were working with a group of students from Pakistan who visited the United States for the very first time. And there were 11 men and four women. And so we were brainstorming how we're going to start this interaction with a group of individuals who came with very negative views of our country. And so right away, you're faced with a challenge of well, do we greet in English or do we greet in the native tongue? And if there are norms, you know, in Pakistan, for example, you can't really, the woman cannot initiate touch with the men. So there's all these rules and norms about how greetings ought to operate. So right away, you would face attention. Our solution. You know, to create a great start as we greeted in their native tongue with uh, assalamualaikum, which means peace be upon you. And then that started a whole conversation. And in fact, when we did research with them six months later, after their perceptions had changed to a very positive way about American culture, uh, they remembered the fact that we had greeted them. So that's the yeah. other reason I talk about greetings is because they can be a skill that you can develop and grow mm-hmm. into
1: hmm You also talk about how to do that in email. And I think that's interesting because I think uh, many of us go right to business or I'll see you at the meeting or be there at two or whatever it is. And, and you say, be mindful and intentional on how you open those letters too, because we're connecting via email or text just as much as we are in person these days.
0: That's correct. So, you know, our communication always reveals who we are and how connected we are. And so when you send an email that's focused on the task, you are implicitly treating another person as an object. And when you're not, when you're saying, hey, it's good to see you. I hope you're having a good Friday. I'm looking forward to connecting later this week. You know, Do you have any updates on this report? You've now done some relational work. So it's oiling the social wheels of this interaction. And what I'm trying to show is that when it's absent, it becomes a really significant problem in organizational life. And when it's present, it helps to navigate this world of relationship. So our communication always is going to do that. And so we have to make choices about what kinds of relationships we want to cultivate.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good good thing to put on my note, put in the back of my mind, because <laughs> yeah. so much is happening through the written word in little ways. And it's, it's uh, not everybody's as casual as I am, or you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, again, it's a way of connecting with people. Um, Closed and open ended questions. You yes. talk a lot about this as a writer who does a lot of interviews. I think about this a lot. Yep. But I haven't ever done it in the way you you talked about it. Like, instead of giving the information you have in the, uh, eva- in the, in the performance evaluation or with your child or whatever, you're saying, ask open-ended questions and then listen to what they have to share about how to, how, what they need to grow or what they need to do well in their life.
0: Yes. I mean, so, you know, for me, questions are extremely powerful. And the reason for that is because the question you ask sets in motion what comes next. And so intrinsically, a question is going to have a lot of influence on what happens in the interaction. So I do talk to people about flipping the script, you know, changing what they're going to do. In an annual evaluation, it's very tempting to just focus on the feedback. But organizations that create a positive culture very often have worked very hard in their annual evaluation process to develop a mode of discovery so that's what i'm tapping into and so it can be very simple you know it's asking what are your strengths what do you think we should work with you on next year what some areas that you really want to grow and develop professionally how can we support you in that adventure and when you start to ask these questions you're doing what you're doing with me which is engaging in a dialogue and that dialogue becomes really a, a significant area of change for the organization in the in the movement towards a positive workplace environment.
1: I like that phrase mode of discovery really in all of life I'd I'd like to go through life in that mode of discovery because I think we often shut down our communication shut down our own ideas because we go into something from one direction and when you say mode of discovery then then that gives me a lot of options a lot of ways to connect with other people.
0: Absolutely. You can, you can, I mean, simple things, you can even start a meeting that way. You know, one of the, uh, one supervisor that I was working with not too long ago, instead of going straight um, into the meeting, just started to say, Hey, I'd like to reflect about the month of February for you. What is a moment that you felt particularly grateful for in, in the last four weeks that's been important to you. And that's how that person started the meeting. It's very simple. It's very easy, but suddenly you had conversation coming into the meeting and people got to learn about one another. And they became then, as you put it, they became part of a mode of discovery themselves.
1: But we have to slow down, right? I mean, this is (laughs) simple to do, but we're running, we have 10 minutes for the meeting, or we need to be somewhere else in another meeting. And we're kind of skipping those steps that would help us be more efficient and more effective as leaders, as parents, as friends.
0: That is correct. So we are, you know, when we're too task focused, then we lose, we lose our relationship focus. And being a good communicator means both. You know, So uh, if you're leading a group, you can't just all be about relationships. You have tasks to accomplish. But without the relationship, uh, it's impossible to really succeed. I think as an organization, you quickly find yourself working in an environment that's problematic. People start to feel like they're not valued and respected. They're disconnected. productivity then goes down and then you're kind of in a cycle of disintegration and that's why a lot of organizations work with consultants and trainers and uh, experts to try to make sure that they continue to create a great environment for their employees
1: with any relationship um, or in anything we do in life we're going to run up against people that we don't connect with as easily people we don't like or that aren't doing a good job at work or that bring their own sense of conflict How can we be authentic and convey our message uh, in a performance review or a family situation or whatever? How can we have the big talk and still maintain those open lines of connection and communication?
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, there are a lot of, uh, first of all, that's very complicated to do, to do what you've just described, you know, to maintain maintain that ability. So in in my model, the, the kind of the model of positive communication that I've developed, I try to show that there are lots of ways of getting there. But one of them is making sure that you keep seeing the strength in other people and expressing those strengths and verbalizing those strengths. Because people can handle a lot of hard talks, difficult conversations, and their techniques for managing them. But, you know, if all you do is having hard talks with people, it's not going to go well. So you need to be able to balance those hard, open, honest conversations that you're having With a lot of positiveness too. It's just like a natural relationship, right? I've been at home. You need lots of positive moments to outweigh the negative. And in our field, we call that a five to one ratio. It's been really applied to marriage in particular with the work of John Gottman. But even in managerial situations, we talk about maintaining that five to one ratio. So five positive acts for one negative act. Then do
1: you share that with the person? You're you're looking for these things yourself. Do you? Say, hey, I appreciate that you're bringing this to the meeting or that you have this strength. Do you say it out loud?
0: Yeah, you have to say it out loud. So uh, you know, I was just interviewing a a consultant actually who who had been in organizational development for 17 years. And she was doing a coaching with a VP who was having this strenuous relationship with one of his top stars. And so she asked him, she's like, well, what are your thoughts on him? And then he shared with her, all of the great things this employee had done. And so finally she said, did you tell him, like with your words? And he said, no, I've never said anything to him at all. So if you hold it in, the other person will never know what you see in them. And so for me, you know, communication starts to matter only when you ex- express what, what's going on, what your thoughts are. If you don't express them, it has no impact because people don't have access to your thoughts.
1: We got to say it to each other. And I think sometimes that can feel vulnerable, but it is so, I mean, it changes everything when somebody gives me a compliment about something that I'm working hard on or that's important to me and my sense of self. And, and um, I think it's just so important. It, we need to be kind to each other and, and share those things because that helps us remember what we value about those people as well.
0: That's right. And it then lays the groundwork for all of these other difficult conversations, potentially, because those are part of relationships too. You know, it's funny. There's this one study recently that came out and showed that even when you prepare people, so you sit them down and you said, brainstorm some compliments. We're going to do it together. they become very meaningful compliments. And then they tell people, go ahead and deliver those in the next week. Only 50% of people do that. So there's something that's stopping us. And some of that is vulnerability and risk-taking but a lot of it is misperceptions. People think that it's going to be awkward. People think that it's not going to make a world of difference for the other person. But all the research we've done shows that it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. It's not awkward. It's It makes the person's day and it becomes a memorable moment uh, often in their lives, quite honestly.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I would imagine. I can think of um, some big moments in my life. And it was one, a person who was important to me in the position of authority, an editor or boss said something, uh, yeah, I can remember him now, you know, yeah. so that's interesting. Exactly. One thing I want to know about, too, is you write about the importance of disclosure. Yes. Now, can you be, can you give up pieces of yourself and disclose things with coworkers, with a supervisor, or as a leader, and still have your a leadership edge or still have your position of authority i don't know we're taught sometimes that you don't share too much right you don't give too much that way
0: yeah so i do think there's a balance and that's why i think of my behaviors they're not laws for action they're guides for action you know they're not they're not they're not laws about how to go about behaving they're not going to apply to every situation but for me disclosure isn't just revealing it's not revealing all of you It's revealing what's important and what's significant for that moment, for that connection, for that relationship. And I do think that leaders can connect with people more deeply. That's the argument. I argue that when people disclose, they're able to deepen their relationships. In some ways, create something a little bit more extraordinary. But that's not just saying, here's all of me. It's choosing, making intentional choices but also being able to reveal things that are sometimes difficult. So that's for me having honest conversations. It's also about being willing to, like for example, I'll come back to this in a second here, but you know, we know that one of the things people struggle with in the workplace is being able to talk to somebody when they have a problem with them. And people don't do it, right? They, they hold on to the frustration or the resentment, but they're not willing to have an open and honest conversation. So my model calls for that moment to take place. It's the only way forward if we want to lead people effectively.
1: I Also, it occurs to me that there's also some humanity in that. Like if if a person shares with me, then I get to see them as a whole person, not just somebody who's really good at this job that I'm not so good at. Or, um, you know, like before the show, we talked a, a couple minutes about our our kids. And we could still do the job. I don't feel like either one of us gave up too much. It prevented us from being in communication together, but it helped me to see you and understand that we share some of the same concerns as well as parents.
0: That's exactly. I mean, in just one quick moment, we realized that we've had a very similar situation. Yeah. <laughs> so that connects us immediately. And for me, you know, in, in all the, the environments that you've been describing, disclosure is one key one. It's a very complicated one because as a leader, we all know that you can't reveal everything because there's information that's only for you. And there's, only, there's information you cannot share with anybody. If you have an HR problem with one of your employees, you can't talk to other employees about it. So the argument isn't to say that you need to be all disclosive, but that you do need to learn to disclose genuinely, to disclose authentically, and not just in problematic ways, right? It's also in positive ways. So simple things like expressing gratitude, being willing to apologize when you make a mistake, or if you've jumped the gun on an initiative, those things will help you build a stronger team in the long term.
1: And part of positive communication is listening. We're going to talk about that. I need some help with the listening part. We'll talk about (laughs) it more when we come back right after this break. And we're back, this is Polly Campbell, and you're listening to Simply Said on ElectroCast with Dr. Julian Miraval, and we're talking about positive communication. And right before we went to break, we were talking about the importance of authentic disclosure and sharing uh, pieces of our experience with one another at home and in the workplace and among friends, and also sharing compliments, authentic compliments. But part of any positive communication Dr. Merrillville, is listening. And I don't always think of this part of it, you know, I, I do. But you say deep listening is essential to positive communication. What do you mean by deep listening, and how do we do that?
0: So I will say you know, listening is one of the hardest uh, skills in the model that I've developed. Um, it's also supposed to help us handle some of the most difficult moments of communication, like when there's a really a, a great divide Or, you know, a lot of difference between people and their ideas. But for me, deep listening can be, I'll present it in a very quick way. So take your right hand and make a really tight fist. And I want you to feel the pressure of that tight fist. Yeah. Now, all I want you to do is take that right hand and point it up. So the palm faces up and slowly open your hand so that the palm faces up. That to me is what deep listening is all about. Mm. Deep listening is all about accepting. Deep listening is all about welcoming. And so when I think of deep listening, I think, am I open? Am I willing to consider alternative viewpoints? Am I, you know, available to hear alternative thoughts? And am I being genuine in my posture, in my interest, in my curiosity? And when those things are present, we can connect and transcend. I argue that we can transcend our differences.
1: And so, and boy, do we need more of this right now, right? Always, (laughs) but boy, that would make a difference. Because it occurs to me when you say, you know, be open and listening, it's not just hearing the words, it's keeping your mind open. So I don't have thoughts running through saying, that's a stupid idea, but here I'm sitting listening, right? right. I I keep my mind open to what is being shared.
0: Yes, and I mean, again, this is very difficult to do. and, And I think that techniques can help us To Some techniques can help us to slow down the process of communication. So I have found it helpful to use what I call liberating structures. Uh, Actually, it's not my name, the the author's name, um, where they offer some techniques that people can use to try to untap and give a structure so that people can actually listen. Because one of the problems is we tend to go fast, you know, when emotions run Mm -hmm. high, when we have thoughts and ideas, we speed up, as I am right now. but. Good communication, positive communication needs to slow down. And listening is the way to get there. So how do you create that listening? Uh, one technique, I'll just share one, a quick example, but one technique I worked with uh, for, for several years, I served as dean of a college of about 125 faculty and staff and had a team of about 20 people. And I had a difficult interaction with one of them. And we used this technique called what I need from you. So we had a retreat, met each other at this retreat. And I, we just wrote down, you know, what I need from you is. And she wrote it down and I wrote it down. And then we shared. And I told her, you know, what I need from you is for you to in, include me on these development visits. This was about fundraising. And then her, what I need from you is for you to trust me. But it was such a revelation to us because often when people interact They're not conscious of really what they're really needing and we don't express it. So that moment became a deep listening moment for us. And it really transformed our whole relationship. We're now, you know, best friends for, for years, even though we started at work with some very big challenge between us. So
1: that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Slowing down—that's that's where I personally get into trouble because in my excitement or my frustration, it's it's all across. You know, it's not all negative. It's it's that I start to babble or I'll ask questions or I'll be so fired up that I forget to slow down and take in what I'm hearing back and and be open as a way of connecting with the other person who I want to share this with to begin with. You know, that's <laughs> right. Interesting. Interesting. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. The slowing down and what I need from you is I think that's a worthwhile ex- exercise, and yeah. that brings us to the um, simply nifty segment, folks. I want you to go to greatergood.berkeley.edu and look up Dr. Julian Miraville's work and this article, uh, Six Keys to Positive Communication," because I think it's a difference maker and it's. The key is positive communication. It's about making better connections and feel good connections. And when we feel good, we all do better. And I think right now we need some of that space. Doctor, you say in that piece that this kind of positive communication is equal as a gift of giving money or any other act of generosity. You think it's that important?
0: I do. Yeah. I mean, I think that all of our I think, first of all, that relationships are the most important things that uh, that matter in our lives. And that's been documented by many research studies. It's the most important things in our personal lives. It's the most important things in our professional lives. And if that's true, then I can promise you that the way you communicate affects the relationships that you have. So the way to go forward to have better relationships is to improve the way you communicate with people. And I think that, I mean, we've experienced in our own lives, any moment of meaning very often has come from a conversation or a moment of interaction with another person. And what I'm trying to show through this model is that every day you can engage in a way of communicating that's going to help you grow as a person, create higher quality connections with people, and make more influential and inspiring contributions to your workplace and to your community. And that choice lies within you. It's not outside of you. It's just simply based upon the kinds of choices you make when you interact with other people.
1: Nothing more worthwhile. Like you said, I I think of my biggest moments in my life and even the things that were a singular effort, like writing a book, wouldn't have mattered at all had people, had I not been able to share the moment with my parents or my friends or, you know, it's so true that This is one of the most important things we ever do. And we do it all the time. Anyhow, we might as well learn how to be more generous in our spirit and and really use it in a way that changes the world, I think.
0: Yeah, that's right. And there are opportunities for us to do this. You know, um, there's opportunities for us to give support to people who need it. There's opportunities to express the strength we see in others. There's opportunities to transform any ordinary moments into an extraordinary one. And I see that, you know, that it can be done and that it matters, as you pointed out earlier when you reflected back on, you know, a supervisor that said something to you that has lasted for decades.
1: Yeah, good work. Thank you very much for your time. How can we (laughs) learn more about what you're
0: up to? The best way to learn more about me is to visit my website, julianmerivelle.com. And uh, obviously to uh, check out my books, uh, The Art of Positive Communication, Theory and Practice, which has been used now across contexts. Uh, I also have a book about how communication scholars grow through time that has great stories about how to be a great communicator. And then soon in 2022, there will be a new book called Positive Communication for Leaders that will be specifically geared towards people in positions of power and leadership and how to apply these behaviors in those environments. You know, the world is changing. People now, I think, have expectations that when they go to a workplace, that they're going to be valued, that they're going to be included, that they're going to be respected. And so there's a greater pressure, I think, now more than ever, on creating an environment where people can thrive, because we know it can be done.
1: Agreed. Thank you for being here. This is brilliant information. I'm excited to try some of these things out don't tell my family i'm gonna just see you if they notice a difference <laughs> you can check me and my workout at polycampbell.com. and i'm working hard to build a meaningful connection also on Substack, you can look at the simply said Polycampbell campbell notes there where i'm sharing some of my own experiences with the ideas i talk about here on the podcast so you get little essays and ideas about what's working for me and what i'm not doing so well We are connecting and communicating with each other every day in multiple ways. We have to learn to do it well, to take care of each other, to lift each other up so we can communicate our message through positive communication in a way that leaves things for the better. That's what I'm working on, and I think when we do that, we will all live well, do good, and be happy.
0: your cast.